You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. I don't get why people don't like the packaging that the message comes in. Like you, you got the message, you understood the message. Why are you complaining about the packaging? I clearly have the knowledge on this subject. You might not like how I choose to display that knowledge, but nonetheless, that knowledge is on display. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it's amazing to see you here where you are challenged to reconsider your normal and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. So this episode is one that I feel like the concepts show up often, but I was actually really looking forward to having a larger conversation around it. And so there's this place where people are basically relegated into this corner of you don't matter, what you're saying doesn't matter because of the way that you're saying it. It's not valid and neither are you. And that's a big piece that comes up when it comes to tone policing, which is essentially deciding that because of some way someone said something that what they said doesn't matter. The reality, though, is tone policing can also go beyond just your literal tone. Um, It'll also show up from a place of, oh, you're using uh, slang, you're using AAVE, African-American Vernacular English. Um, You are not using the King's English and speaking proper. So therefore you are uneducated and your point of view is null and void. That's bullshit. All of it. Um, You'll often hear me here and, and other people here talking however we talk that includes if I, if I'm using AAVE if I'm using slang if I am laughing out loud if I am animated with my words all of these things are things that I have experienced personally and have witnessed other people and heard stories about how that has been something that was weaponized to invalidate what they were sharing And being able to go into that and how it is that that shows up, especially from someone that is a content creator, I felt like that would just be really informative and interesting and give a lot of great 
things to think about and some insight. So I had to bring back EK. We've had EK here on the show before. We'll link to it if you want to go back and check out the last time he was here on the show. But EK Powell is the mind behind the What's Good English YouTube channel and TikTok account, where he punches back against misconceptions that people have about African-American English. So I would love for you to be able to take in this conversation where we went and to figure out what it is that you can pull from it and what you can then go and do. So without further ado, let's do this. We acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the stolen land of the Susquehannock, Piscataway, Nantigo people native to this area known as Maryland. Hello, EK. Always such a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you today? It's a pleasure to be here. I'm doing great. I hope you are as well. So far, so good. I am I am in the cool. However, I am comfortable. So I'm going to go with that <laughs> in this here summer airtime and heat time and all the things. So we're just going to go with it and right let it be what it be. So I always thoroughly enjoy being able to have conversations with you when it comes to uh, language and AAVE, which for anyone that is not aware of what that acronym stands for, that is African American Vernacular English. Um, And you have really great insight into the things that people say, uh, what is the actual root of what they're saying, how it is co-opted by people that are not African-American and how it actually plays very often into uh, respectability politics. It shows up with tone policing, uh, being able to kind of have this uh, lack of understanding that lends itself to believing that because of where certain people are located or the types of uh, words that they use, that all of a sudden what they're saying is not valid and is not nearly as, um, worth paying attention to because of that. And so I would love to be able to kind of dig into this with you to get not only your insight on it, but also some of the facts, because again, from a linguistic standpoint, your, your like education on this kind of blows my mind sometimes. So really glad to have this conversation (laughs) with you. People think I'm like way smarter than I am. (laughs) You better take it. Just take it. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like, I, I feel like I, I low key feel like a grifter sometimes. It's like, yo, like, I, like I, I don't know the answer to these questions, y'all. It's like, it's hard. <laughs> Honestly, you know what's funny? It is, it is hard. However, you have more insight than some of the rest of us that are like, well, I don't know, but this is where we at. So I'm going to guess. You have a, a, a good, one of the things that I really think is important is you have that good grasp of language as a whole. And so understanding that while it might seem like on the surface is just AAVE, there's so many other things that are showing up. And these are things that are not just even exclusive to AAVE. It shows up in other languages as well. And things that I've learned from you in that way have been um, really enlightening. So you going to take that compliment and you, you're going to provide more today. Just you know. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> so I would love to actually start off by uh, going into the concept of respectability politics. Right on. 
It's something that I've been familiar with for sadly a while, even before I knew what it was. And I don't think that everybody that is um, taking in this episode today through listening or reading the article, they may not be familiar with it. So what are your thoughts around respectability politics? And if someone were to say, hey, I don't know what this is, how would you try to explain that concept to them? Right. So I would just explain (laughs) (laughs) respectability politics as um, sort of you're changing yourself. You're changing the way that you present yourself to, you know, appease like a theoretical like construct that you believe that you should, you know, that, that other people will hold you to, you know, um, you're, you're trying to like present yourself to what you believe the expectations that, you know, like the, the masses have for you, you know, people that are, you know, outside of, um, your culture, like whatever the dominant culture is in the social, like order that you live in um it's something that is like learned you know like i remember being a kid and you know noticing that my mother would speak to certain people a little bit differently than she would to you know the rest of my family to her friends you know stuff like that i mean i think um like way back in the day, it, it was a uh, it was a crutch, and it still is a crutch. But you know, like a lot of black people came up with respectability politics, and you know, showing the white man that you know we could actually participate in their game, you know, just as well as as they could, and you know, as a way to show people that we have value. But like. You know, it's been decades, man. Don't nobody need to shuck and jive, you know, to be valued, in my opinion. You know, it's, I think it's a crutch that has long since, you know, um, overstayed its welcome, outlived its usefulness, and people need to accept us, you know, for who we are. You know, there's, I mean, there are still different levels of of how we can present ourselves to people. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, act a certain way, you know, if the CEO is in town, just the same as I wouldn't act a certain way if I was talking to like, you know, a church pastor, you know, in the middle of service or something like that. Right. Um, but like, that's not respectability politics. That's just me, you know um changing like the the that's just me adapting my character to the situation you know like it's <laughs> i don't know it's weird it's hard to it's hard to define but that's sort of how i see it so first of all i think there's so much so many pieces of what you said and i think part of it does go back to what you said and that yes if i think back to being younger you could clearly tell when somebody had to you know, call, call the cable company or call the gas and electric company versus, you know, cousin so-and-so was on the phone or whatever that might be. And I remember specifically being raised. And I remember at one point, I'm trying to think of how it was framed, but it was kind of like the, some of the life lessons that I was being taught of like, you know, you need to know how to go pay a bill or you need to know how to conduct business on the phone. And it was very specifically conditioning me to 
communicate in a certain way, to use a certain type mm-hmm. of tone, to, uh, you know, not chop and screw my words in any way, shape or form. And the the interesting part kind of makes me laugh is that I feel like when I was a kid, it was like, I remember being, being little and it was like, um, may I speak to your manager, please? And it was like the original <laughs> Karen kind of thing. <laughs> and <laughs> like you did what you needed to do and you were taught that you needed to figure out how to get things done. And yet I remember having people meet me in person and saying things like, oh, I didn't know you were black which was yep. just an extension of that. And, you know, it, back then that felt like, oh, that was a compliment. You know, haha, I got in the door and you might not have let me <laughs> in here if you knew I was black. But now as an, a, an adult, I'm like, ew, you said that out loud. <laughs> uh, I need to be able to be in here no matter what my skin looks like or how you process me. Because, I mean, that type of comment, that person didn't take the time to figure out if you were black. They just saw brown skin and assumed. However... Like everything you said, I feel like there was there were so many pieces. Of course, there was the piece of, uh, you know, speaking different to different people. And I do think that there's a difference between having different conversation with like, you know, your 90 year old grandparents versus, you know, talking to the person online or talking to your next door neighbor or whatever that might be like your your context might be different. Your tone may be a little different. Your word choices might be different. And I think that is kind of a, a catering to your audience type of thing. And I don't think that that is the same as the obligation that has been put on um, a lot of people of color. I'm not even going to say just black people, but I'll speak to being a black person and, and having felt that weight of needing to assimilate, of needing to show up in the acceptable way because me as me is assumed to be not educated, um, uninformed, uh, uncouth. And so, you know, you don't use certain words. You don't use certain terms. You don't show up with specific affects. You don't um, use, uh, I'm going to say trendy words, but slang. You know, everything has to be specific. Everything has to be by the book. And without that, you get things showing up like, how can you be respected or have somebody actually take you seriously if you don't do these things? And that's how a lot of people that I know, including myself, were taught that you're not going to be taken as seriously. You're not going to be thought of as professional. And it's something that people have felt like was a coat they had to put on and off. And a lot of people found that during the pandemic, they didn't have to do it quite as much because they didn't have to go in the office. Yeah. And yet it's still there, even with the virtual piece. It just looks a little bit different. Do you find that that's true? Yeah. It's um like, especially with with me because i you know I make loads of tiktok videos which also means i watch loads of tiktok videos right. uh, for the better or worse <laughs> but you know i often see you know and this also has something to do with you know just language in general you know like nobody really knows what people sounded like you know two three hundred years ago because you know you never really got 
unfiltered hot takes before. Like, you know, having somebody just turn on a camera and just say something and give a hot take, or whatever, and be closer to their true self, you know, than if they were being interviewed by, you know, news at 11 or something like that is like a mm-hmm. relatively new thing, you know? Like, yes. People were writing letters back in the day. You can edit those letters, you know. If somebody didn't like, you know, the letter they were sending, they just rip it up, write something different. You know, you have the luxury of editing, and, and there's a huge difference between written language and spoken language. So, like, I see loads of people in the comments of a video when somebody says something you know, quote unquote, grammatically incorrect, or they hear like a pronunciation that they haven't heard, like try to correct that person in the comments. And it's like, what, what is that for? Like, how is that serving? Like, yo, you grew up in a certain, you know, bubble of people talking this particular way. You got taught something in school by somebody that you respected. And now you're trying to impose that on somebody who's, you know, just made a video about something, you know, important to them or funny to them or whatever, you know. And it's like, what? what's the point? <laughs> you know, you still understood. Why are you mad? Are you mad because you understood? You know, it, it, it gets nutty sometimes. So and so what you said, I think, is is a is another layer of this in that when you don't adhere to the respectability politics and you're not doing the mainstream uh, middle of the road, uh, white cisgendered heteronormative type of, you know, tightrope walking thing here. Um, people love to, to tell you that it's wrong. And unfortunately in the, sometimes dangerous place of, of online, people love to find their own self-worth in telling you that you're wrong based on mm-hmm. some arbitrary standard that who knows who set. And so I'm actually kind of curious since you brought that up, if you think that respectability politics um, has impacted content creators and how, you know, have you witnessed it or experienced it yourself? It does. Um, so like it, it does and it doesn't because like because I see certain people like one of my favorite content creators, I'm sure you know them, is like the consciously. Like yes. consciously is unapologetically black. Like that dude is gonna He does give it not to care. You. He's like Yeah. He's like, here exactly. you go. <laughs> exactly. And I love that about him. I absolutely love that about him. Cause it's like, you know, and, and he'll even say it. He's like, yo, I got on Jordans, I'm talking all this slang, you know, I'm talking big shit to these people, and you know, they gon' they gonna have to take it like that. And like if you were to call consciously uneducated because, you know, he says ain't and uses double negatives and pronounces words the way that he pronounces words, like that would be your worst mistake. That man got two master's degrees and an undergraduate degree in what was it, African-American studies, I think. It was like, that man will come for your head. Like debate champion took second place in like uh, um, and like the college debate um, championships or something. It's like, like that man just exudes intelligence and shows that he's got it and is just like giving it to you the way he wants to give it to you. And like, I really love that because you can take that and you can hold that up and say, yo, here's an example. I don't need, you know, to give it to you in 
mainstream American English. I don't need to put on this, you know, extra, like, you know, buttoned up suit and tie version of English in order to express the concept, in order to express some high level concept stuff. I can just be like whoever I am. Like I done showed you, I got the credentials. Like you know, I done been through the whole gamut. Like and 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 got these pieces of paper. Um, so like, <laughs> like take it or leave it, you know. Right. But then I I do see other people that you know want to dress everything up, and you know, I think that's cool. But you know, I can't help but imagine that you know. They, well, I mean, at the same time, it's like, uh, it's difficult to say, like, I I see the people trying to dress stuff up and, you know, with the whole respectability politics trope and, and it's just like, why bother with all that? You know, like, it, it seems like you're just going through extra hoops to me when, you can just be real. I mean, one of the things about all the social media stuff is that people can just be themselves on there. Like, you know, you don't need to go through this extra layer, like with, with, with what we're doing in this, in this medium. And so what you said, I think really just, first of all, it addresses the fact that I don't think that there's any one answer to, to that question or any question. Cause some people are like, I, I, I don't give a shit. This is what I'm going to do. Hard stop. And then there are some people that because it is already a challenging landscape to get equal attention, equal monetary support, equal level of, of followers or visibility. There are people that are like, if, if I don't do this, how will this impact me? How will this take away my opportunities? And there are some people that it benefits their their opportunities by just being who they are. And I do think consciously is a great example of that. And then there's some people that have shown up in a way that feels authentic for them and it hasn't benefited them. So you find people that are going to be on either end of that spectrum. And no matter what, some people are going to be like, it's great. And other people are going to be like, it's terrible. No matter what. Um you know, it does boil down to that entire piece of a lack of understanding around what's really happening and just this passing of judgment because someone did not show up in the specific packaging the way that some people felt like they should. Right, right. I did, um, I made a video where where, um, I was showing a clip of uh, Steve Harvey when he was talking about how NBC wanted him to have a, a, a dialect coach or something like that, or they hired a linguist because he pronounced stuff, you know, badly or used bad grammar. And I got so many comments where people were like, oh, well, you know, education is freeing or, you know, um, well, he should learn like this and that or like there's a proper place for that. And it's like, mm, but no. what's the point? I mean, like, 
You're no. Like, have you seen clips of Steve Harvey? Like, what about Steve Harvey? You know, right. is is exuding unintelligence. You know, and people were trying to attack the clip and say, "Oh, well, he must have learned." And it's like that no. dude still sounds black. He sounds like Steve He's Harvey. Still the still same. Black, you know, Steve Harvey sounds the exact same now as he did. What was that? Kings of Comedy being on Showtime at the Apollo. Steve Steve Harvey is the same. Yeah, he's exactly. the same. Well, and and the misunderstanding of of that clip is that it wasn't about him receiving education. That was about him needing to assimilate. That was him needing to fit into a mold. That was him needing to be more acceptable to a mainstream read white audience. That's what that was. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, and he didn't need to do it, like, no. <laughs> as history has shown, you know? Correct. Correct. Flaunt your fire. This is what can take you from being in a box to breaking it on your terms. Bi-weekly, India Jackson, co-founder of Pause on the Play, has conversations exploring branding and visibility. Own your values and amplify your influence by giving the Flaunt Your Fire podcast a follow today. These types of conversations are the ones that I absolutely love. Being able to witness our community members having these conversations, I mean, I don't know what's better than that. EK just so happens to be one of the amazing members that are inside of Pause on the Play the Community, and we do have conversations that are very similar to this, real conversations. If you were to show up and be a part of one of our office hour sessions, you'll be able to hear us having conversations, answering questions or challenges, or figuring out how to navigate opportunities in order to be able to maximize the opportunity to be visible and to really make change. Being able to figure out what it is that needs to happen next so that your imperfect allyship efforts are actually creating the impact that you're seeking. These types of things and more happen and are actively fostered inside of Pause on the Play, the community. And remember, you don't have to show up for everything live. There's plenty of things there so that if you are working during the day or you happen to just be on another continent and your time zones are a little bit different, there's so much evergreen content and there's so many connections to be made. The community has everything in there in order to support you and other values-focused individuals in creating change and impact in our world together. You can join today by visiting pauseontheplay.com forward slash community. So with the examples that we've given and the things that we're talking about, one of the things that I would love to have you elaborate on is um, from your perspective, how do you think the content that you create um, supports understanding around things like grammar, tone policing, and how it is that it does impact communication? Right. So the overall message of my channel and my TikTok accounts and everything is like that there is nothing wrong with the way that you speak, that, that intelligence has nothing to do with the way that you speak. Also, there are tons of just random 
arbitrary rules that people follow, like without even knowing that they follow. And, you know, um, something like uh, something you said about, you know, well, you can't, you know, use slang in these certain situations, but like, that's not entirely true. Like you can use slang. You just have to use like accepted slang. Like, you know, there's, there's no difference between, there's no difference between slang and, um, and, and jargon. Like those two words are the same thing, except for slang just has a connotation that is less than and jargon is like, oh, well, that's specific to, you know, such, 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 and such. But like, so is slang. <laughs> slang is very specific. So I'm going to pause useful. you on that. I want you to give an example of that because what you said is absolutely true. And I think it could be easy for someone to try to be like, oh, but is it the same? Let's give an example and talk about this slang versus jargon thing because I think you're accurate on that. Okay, so I'll give you an example from uh, from the course that I did that I actually use. Um, so uh, I found this old Reader's Digest IQ test that had like all these different vocabulary words on it. And it was like, if you know, um, like, I think it was something like 75 of these words, um, then you're a superior human. So like one of the words on that list was parterre. Do you know what a parterre is? No. What? No, <laughs> I do not. Okay. What is that? Okay, so a parterre is like when you're when you're at like a park or something like that, and you see like a bunch of hedges or bushes or whatever, and they're just carved into like some weird ornamental pattern, mm-hmm. like that. That's a parterre. So, like, I think there's like a famous one in France somewhere. It's called La something part. I forget, but like that. That's what a parterre is. And I'm looking at that, and I'm like, how is this word parterre anything but just rich people slang? Like, I can point to those hedges and be like, oh, check out that like pattern in the hedges. Check out that ornamental pattern of, of hedges that you guys have trimmed over there. Like nobody's gonna know that is a parterre, like unless they come from like a certain class of people that would, you know, learn that particular piece of vocabulary. Like I am no more or less intelligent for knowing, you know, what a parterre is or being able to recognize it. Just the same way as um if I say, oh, I have the beta for this thing, like, you know, what sport would um, would you hear somebody say, I got the beta for that? Like, do you know? A sport. Yeah, I a do sport. Because honestly, when you said beta, I initially thought of like, it's like the, like, what do you call it? Like, this is like the first iteration. This is the like, oh, it's still in process. But like, you know, I, I, I got the prototype kind of thing. I don't know what sport that's attached to. Interest. Okay, tell me. Okay, so it's one of my favorite sports. Actually, it's rock climbing. So hmm. this comes from um, way, way, way back. Like all these rock climbers would go out and they would, you know, climb whatever, uh, whatever mountain or boulder, and they had like there were two different video cameras right there was vhs and betamax and betamax was the camera of choice for all of these rock climbers and whenever they would you know finish doing their set you know you could like amongst you know the um the small little group of rock climbers they would trade those tapes so like they would call um basically the path that you need to take like the the easiest path or you know whatever path through to get to the top of the mountain they began calling that beta because they watched the betamax tape of how to do that climb 
And that's something that you will hear. Like if you watch a rock time rock climbing competition, like uh-huh. you know, you'll hear like the announcer say, Oh, he's got the beta for it now, he knows what to do. What? I remember yeah. I am old enough to remember I remember beta tapes from back in the day that had one wheel and it was like beta is everything, and then beta went away and it was VHS, which has still yeah. went away. But I didn't realize it was that and and what I'm hearing is that there's essentially not only is there, you know, the things that may come up from a, a dialect or a location standpoint, but, and I don't think that this is something that, you know, people may not be aware of. They just may not be aware of it in this way, but there's, there's slang based on um, class and income level or um, industry or, um, uh, profession or what do you call it pastimes because i mean i can yeah. definitely think of like in the wedding industry there's there's jargon and lingo in the photography industry same thing um some of which have kind of come under fire from an ableism um or just you don't use these words standpoint of like master and slave when it comes to certain things with the camera so there's all types of language that comes up that is specifically tethered to these are the things that you do. These are the things you enjoy. These are the circles that you move in. But because it supposedly belongs to a lower income and less capable group of people, so people would love you to think that it's that simple, that all of a sudden that part is, is wrong. We don't do that. We don't talk about that part. That's unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah, it it kind of goes to that. Um, so I'm I'm making this um, super long video like about cultural appropriation, sort of. Like I've been watching like these super long YouTube video essays, and like now I'm making my own. And um, mm-hmm. I was doing some research uh, on like the cultural melting pot that people claim that America is, but like I mean that's flawed in the sense of like number one there were just people whose cultures were not allowed to be put into that melting pot and Mm -hmm. like african-american english club uh, stuff um uh black culture is one of those cultures like it was never allowed to mix and like that extends to today where it's like if we say stuff a certain way it's wrong but mm-hmm. all of your slang is permitted. Like, how is that? How is that right? Right, right. Well, the interesting thing I'm that I'm also kind of hearing come up is part of it is values coming up because if you value something, then you find that these particular words or ways of communicating um, are valuable and that there is a purpose to them and they're worth being used. And somehow or another, I feel like there is a place to where there is no value put on the way that black people in this particular uh, conversation are, are communicating until those words are co-opted by people that aren't black, which is the other piece of it. And I think that it's really, it's really calling attention to the fact that if you value it, you're saying that it's worthwhile. And obviously when you don't, you're saying that it's not, but there's al- not always that understanding that that type of connotation 
doesn't extend to just the words. It also extends to the people. You're basically saying you're not of value because you're not smart enough. You're not eloquent enough. You don't communicate well. You don't do things in a specific way. So you're not valuable. Exactly. So that being said, do you think that content creators should or do, or maybe they already are, to, in your opinion, should be using values actively so that we are able to put our own value out there? Because if we don't do it, it may not be given to us. So do you think that you know creators are already using their values when they're making content? Or do you think you know it could help if they did it more? I think a lot of people are already doing it. Like, um, especially especially with Black TikTok. Like, like Black TikTok is like it's a it's an insane family. Like, just um, a lot of us, you know, are uh, mutuals with each other. Where like we both follow each other, so like we can see like um, uh, occasionally we release videos that only our you know personal followers can see and stuff like that. And you know Mm -hmm. we see each other in everyone's comments and you know there's a certain there's a certain lingo there's a certain way that we all move and there's a certain way that we all say things um which like which is you know really presenting like a certain package and a certain image and you know with the way that it is with the way that the culture you know is and has evolved it's like you know we are presenting that like this is who we are like you just need to accept this we're not you know like i was saying shucking and jiving to prove to you that we have value you should know that we have value by now it's 2022 right right well and i want to also be clear that the reason that i'm asking is because one i'm not a creator and so (laughs) you know again when you say us i do think that when you are in something there is obviously a very different way of of witnessing and perceiving of that so i think it's important for it to be um kind of communicated or or shared from someone that's in it versus me just making my assumptions and i also think that um there's also a certain level of awareness of someone that is doing this work around language that you know, you're witnessing what people are maybe choosing to do or choosing not to do. And you may be witnessing different things happening on the platforms. I have not been on social media much, probably for the past few months. I hit a point kind of from my own mental health. I was like, I need a break. And so I have- take those social media breaks. (laughs) Yes, because there was a point to where, again, like, you know- you know, your content, Sum's content, um, Conscious Lee's content, and and a number of other people. Khalil Green, there's a lot of people whose content I I love. And then sometimes I was just like, I just need to look at plants. I, I need, I, my, my brain can't right now. And then I was just like, I need nothing. And so I think, you know, me kind of having to not be in it right now, you know, I would never want to assume that people are not, using their values in that way, because there's also the sad part of the algorithm showing you what it wants to show you. So there could very well be 
a lot more, a lot less of that than what I am witnessing just because of what I have somehow trained the algorithm to show me. And so being someone that's actually in it, that is the creator and is also in community with the creators, I think it's really important to have have shared that and to be able to have that coming through your lens um, because this this is kind of a huge part of your world. Yeah, yeah. And I will say that like, I really like for all of the, problems <laughs> all of the issues that come up with that stupid application like <laughs> i am i am grateful for it I, I think it you know i think it does provide like a really cool window i mean um into like what people are feeling i mean like never before really have you know have we had, you know, just the power to like have a voice, you know, um, where we could actually like see, you know, what people were, you know, um, feeling and going through and having people, you know, just talk about stuff and you actually get to hear it the way that they would say it, you know, that, that something where, you know, the TV production managers haven't, you know, gone through and said, okay, well, you can't say this. And it's like, nah, now nah, I want to say, fuck that dude. That's, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> you know? Period. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so I am grateful for that because it's providing, you know, just fantastic insight into like, you know, the actual psyche of, regular people as much as you can get you know from social media there's still like a bit of presentation there but it's like that you know it's at that amateur level you know it's not that you know completely glossed up professional heavily edited level it's pretty much come as you are so i do love that for all of the issues that i have well the other it, it's it's not related and it is related. The interesting thing is that I do think that, again, yeah, social media absolutely has some not so great parts of it. And at the same time, I do think that some of what is happening there does influence um, some other areas of, of media as a whole. And, you know, we're already seeing how there are people that have gotten, um, let's say, like an acting job from showing up in somebody's DMs or the people mm. that are, you know, uh, Insta famous or, you know, um, TikTok famous. And they've been able to fully parlay that into an entire career. And I'm also, you know, kind of witnessing people being willing to not just the people that are writing or producing or creating um media to take the risk, but for the overarching companies to actually put their money into them and to let the stories that they're creating take center stage. And I think that that's important. There's a show on stars that I love called P Valley. And that was one of the first shows that I've ever watched that the um, closed captioning was actually what was being said. It wasn't perfected. It wasn't, uh, it didn't go through the King's English filter. They, they are actually, they are keeping all of the, the, the dialect and all of the slang, the way that it spelled everything. And I'd never, ever witnessed that before. And I think the more and more people are finding places to be more fearless when they are creating things, it is showcasing that um, there are people that want 
to have their stories told or their realities centered as another reality and not just this very whitewashed mainstream watered down thing. And so again, as unrelated and at the same time, I do feel like creators are a part of putting it out there that people want to be reflected as they are not as you want them to be so that they're easily digestible for you because it's not for you. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's authenticity, you know, like yes, <laughs> for so long, like, and still like to this day in media, when you see black characters saying shit that you know, that they ain't going to say they in real life. That. that is not <laughs> how that worked in real life. You didn't say that. You know? It was like, dude, what was that? Don't nobody say that. Come on, man. Who who wrote that? Why did you even say that? And it's like, Correct. oh, you probably said something. And the script supervisor was like, nah, that's not. That's how it's written. We, we need to say it like that. We talked to a black guy, and he said it was okay. That <laughs> <laughs> that part, that piece. And honestly, it it is it is something that you know we talk the way we talk. And it's not always going to be perfect. There's going to be double negatives and and words that people are like, I don't know that word, but that's fine. Because you know what? I knew what it meant and I knew what I said and those that needed to catch it caught it. And that's the point. We don't speak for everybody. We speak for whoever it is that is our audience at that moment. And I think it's important that that is what's understood about the message in, in, in any format, in any arena, it is about us addressing those that we are addressing with the message that we want them to get, not for someone to come in and say, well, you didn't say this right. So I didn't, I didn't take in what you said. I didn't, I didn't listen to any of this. I didn't put any of this in the bucket of truth because I can't process it. It's not, no. Yeah, it's like that sounds like a you problem. Facts, facts, all facts. Because the people that needed to hear it heard it. That part, and that's where I, I, I think that all of us. This is where I think we can all take a, a a note from creators. The more and more that we can be ourselves, and those that are creators, taking the full liberty of being themselves to know that regardless of anybody's biases, regardless of anybody's perceptions, anybody's preconceived notions, you being yourself is really the point. And if people don't get you, regardless of how it is that you show up, then that means that they don't deserve to receive you. And that's a challenging thing sometimes to kind of really reconcile yourself to if you are trying to receive that widespread awareness and visibility but you can't be everything to all people yeah you will drive yourself crazy trying to like already do sometimes it's like okay like maybe i can use this to educate people so i'll try to do a video around this topic and it's like it's i don't want to say it's a waste of time but like i spend so much time on something when there's like other stuff that I would rather be doing that I could be doing that will, you know, like also uplift. It's like, it's like, I, I get sea lion a lot. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> I am a victim of Oh my gosh, wait, sea lion. Tell me what, what is that? I'm like, wait, sea lion. Oh, you yes. Know? <laughs> okay. So, um, Oh, it's from, um, 
it's from a comic strip. I forget whose comic strip uh, it's from, but it's like there. Uh, somebody says that they don't like sea lions and like a random sea lion shows up and like it keeps on pestering um, uh, these two people that were talking about the sea lions saying, well, tell me why you don't like sea lions. And it's like, you know, it's at the dinner table with them and then like it's in bed with them. And, like they're getting dressed and the sea lions, they're like, how come you haven't told me why you don't like sea lions? So like the, the term basically means um, it's people who, you know, try to quote unquote, just ask the just ask a question you know just like be informed as to why you said this certain thing or you have this certain belief but like it's coming from a point of they're just trying to waste your time like they have no intention of actually being educated by you they just want you to spin your wheels and you know um basically drive yourself nuts uh and then they will take like they will not listen to anything that you said like it's it's happened a ton of my kind of like i've noticed people trying to see lie me and then sometimes i'll just do it because i know i can hit them back way harder and like and they they're their sea lioning will unintentionally lead to like this epic clackback video where I will not only like educate my audience with something, but give them an argument to use to beat the argument that I was presented with when they hear it in their real life. So sometimes I'll do it that way. And I'm like, um, but like other times I will catch myself and I'm like, I'm being sea lion right now, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Well, honestly, even with what you said, like sometimes you have to kind of give people like, you know, here's the here's the argument you can take back. Let me let me give you the piece that you can use to to, to weaponize against the person that tried to weaponize stuff against you. Then and, and it should not have been that way. I think so much of what we've talked about is acknowledging the fact that uh, education and knowledge and context and storytelling and connection should not be, what's the word? You shouldn't be able to say that it's not worthy because it didn't come in a specific package. And I think that that's a really important piece here. Like you need to be able to pick up whatever message or whatever piece of knowledge or whatever awareness, regardless of how it was stated. If, 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 if I told you that the sky was blue, but I said it in three different ways, if it still got you to the fact that the sky was blue, did it matter how I said it? Was that really the problem? Or was it just a reason for you to try to undermine the fact that I should not have been the one telling you that the sky was blue? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, I don't get why people don't like the packaging that the message comes in. It's like, like you, you got the message, you understood the message. Why are you complaining about the packaging? It's, it's like, you know, I, like, I clearly have, you know, the knowledge on this subject. You might not like how I choose to display that knowledge, but nonetheless, that knowledge is on display. That, that feels like a real play, real good place. <laughs> To pause you and then to ask you the last question that I always love to ask that I know that I was fortunate enough to ask you the last time that you were here, which is if you were to challenge people to go and take one action after this conversation, everything that we've shared, all of the context 
being put out there, if they could go take one action to create change, what would you suggest that that should be? That was a hard question. (laughs) (laughs) No, I gave you a big old question right at the end. It's like, well, damn. Okay. All right. Based Based on what we talked about, I would say to just like stop and evaluate what was said, you know, like you, you don't have, if you understood, you don't have to say anything, (laughs) you know, like just stop yourself and just evaluate like what was said in the context, if you got it or not, you know, you don't have to tone police anybody. You don't have to grammar police anybody. Just, just stop and think and then just try to go on and then just try to let go, <laughs> let go of that need for, for policing and correction. It's just, it's not that important. I can agree with that. Just let people communicate and leave it be. So in order for people to take in your content, to learn from you, to be able to be graced by these amazing videos that you put so much work into, like a ton of work into, where is it that the people can find you? Okay, so on TikTok, I am What's Good English. Um, same thing on YouTube, What's Good English. I have a super long, epic video coming out sometime next month, maybe. Um, uh, on YouTube, uh, on Instagram, I am nodos 88 and you keep on telling me to change that, and I'm stubborn I'm about it. Keep telling you one day, maybe you'll consider it, but make them all uniform. Yeah. Um, So you can find me on those three mediums. I have a Patreon, um, which is just uh, patreon.com slash what's good English. Same name. What's good English on everything except for Instagram for now. Um, I also have a course um, that I mentioned um, earlier um, about, um, understanding African American English, as well as sort of dispelling some of these misconceptions that we have about grammar and vocabulary and intelligence uh, being attached to the way people sound. Uh, the name of the course is called What You Know Good. Um, and you can shoot me an email if you're interested. Uh, it's for like, you know, groups of people right now, small groups or large groups or whatever. Eventually I'll do some like one-on-one consulting thing uh, thing because I have people that um, like have been individuals that have wanted uh, to discuss some stuff with me. Um, But you can shoot me an email to uh, bookwhatsgoodenglish at gmail.com if you're interested in um, me presenting the course. Amazing, amazing. So we will link to those things inside of the article and people will be able to contact you to reach out so that they can take the workshop with you. They can take the course. They can bring it into their groups, their companies, their entities. And EK, always for being here with me, for sharing everything that you know in such a generous way and having great conversation. (laughs) It's a pleasure. Always a pleasure. It is so good to be able to just have somebody to go into this with that does it and is really witnessing it firsthand. Uh, You know, EK, again, as a content creator, knows what happens to him, what he's witnessing happening to other creators, especially because, again, Black um, creators on TikTok are constantly having to fight for credit around their content, but also 
it's not okay if they do it, but it's great if other people do it. And so him having kind of that, you know, inside viewpoint around that, as well as all of the insight that he so willingly and freely shares on Instagram, like I couldn't think of a better person to kind of go into this with. And he he just, he comes with so much knowledge. So I am hoping that everybody that's listening, whether it's now or whether you bookmark this and you come back to it later, that you are recognizing some things for yourself, the people that you are around, the people that you're interacting with and are giving yourself some places where you can evaluate not only way that you're maybe perceiving the way that you are communicating, but also the perceptions or misconceptions that you have about the way that other people are communicating around you and with you. So every single time that you show up here, taking in these real conversations while we try to normalize the challenging things so that we can make them a part of our everyday exchanges, I thank you. Together, this is how we remove stigma and create real change and connection, crossing lines and recreating boundaries together so that we can support and not separate. Let's continue getting more people to drop the veil while challenging their thoughts, feelings, actions, and state of being. So until the next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?